a series called the Spine of Prophecy I'm going to be doing. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to have good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives. Lord, anoint even now our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Help us have that good fertile soil of our hearts, our minds, our lives, our families in every area so that the word of the Lord as it goes forth tonight will go as living seeds of truth sown in a good fertile soil of every life, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. And Lord, I pray that as we speak this word tonight, that it'll be light shining in every dark place and dispel all the darkness, all the lies, all the deception of the enemy, and let it be a hammer that breaks away what needs to go, a sword that cuts away what needs to go. It bring breakthrough tonight. We thank you. Let everything be accomplished. Your will to be done through the preaching and teaching of the word. In Jesus' name we pray, we believe it to be done now, and we thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. All right, so I'm going to be dealing with the third part in the series called The Spine of Prophecy, and I'm going to talk tonight about the purpose, purpose of prophecy. As I've been dealing with this series on prophecy, we are living in the end times, so it is imperative that we know about the end times. What does the Bible say about the end times? So I encourage you to... Go back and listen to the sermons before this if you didn't get a chance to hear them. I also encourage you to try to follow these sermons through this series. I'm going to be doing for probably quite some time. Um, unless the Lord changes something, I'll probably do these for quite a while. But I want to make sure that at the end of this, that we're going to have a very clear understanding of biblical prophecy. So I'm dealing with things through this series like the book of Daniel and Revelation, but many other places. Jesus taught on prophecy. There are prophecies from Peter and Paul and others about the end times. There's prophecies in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah and other places that have yet to be fulfilled. So anyway, we're going to cover a lot of ground, but I believe by the end of it, we're going to have a very strong understanding of the last days, okay? So I want to pick up where I left off last week. I started the series talking about motives of the heart. Why do we study end time prophecy? And I talked about some pitfalls and warnings, and last week I picked up on that. I may touch on a few things as we go, but I want to pick up where I left off last week in, with this statement to make sure that we're seeing the glass half full as opposed to half empty. Make sure you're looking to Jesus. Let me just encourage you that when studying the end times, it's easy to get negative and depressed. It's easy to focus too much on the, the darkness, but you got to understand that for, for us, this is not a negative thing. This is the soon coming of the king. This is us going to be in his presence, you know. I mean, it's a, I know that the world is going to see some dark and difficult times, but as far as you and I are concerned, it's his glorious appearing, you know. So don't be discouraged by the days ahead. And let me just read what I, I did last week to pick up on that. But Psalm 34, starting with verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord, he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And they looked they looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed so you remember how Moses his face would shine let me read this statement Derek Prince wrote he said David talking about this psalm I just read goes on with the general statement about having an expectant attitude toward the Lord radiance is a practical outworking of looking for the Lord and waiting for the Lord the look on our faces will tell us what direction we're facing if our faces are dark and overshadowed with care and fear we're not looking at the light but if our faces are radiant peaceful and full of confidence there's only one explanation we have our eyes turned toward the source of light in life Jesus 
okay so in these last days the book of revelation is not revelations it's the book of revelation okay and it's not the revelation of the antichrist it's the revelation of jesus christ okay so keep your eyes on jesus and you will be full of confidence the bible says that in the last days people's hearts will fail them because of fear but god's people are not supposed to have hearts failing them because of fear Okay, we're supposed to know the word and know that these things are supposed to happen. And these are signs. Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, look up because your redemption draws near. So hopefully I'm getting my point across here tonight is all the things that we're going to cover, it's going to be the good, bad, the ugly, everything. I want everybody to always understand that from my perspective, this is positive. And I'm excited about the days ahead because I believe that the church is going to see the greatest move of God we've ever seen or ever imagined that we could see all over the world. We're going to see what the Bible says is the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue to see a great harvest of souls. And I believe God is going to work diligently to restore back Book of Acts Christianity before he comes. And so we're going to see that type of power again. And we're already beginning to see it. So these are great days for the church. And the Holy Spirit is working diligently to prepare a bride for Christ's coming. And that's what's going on in the church. And like Matthew 25, the wise virgins with extra oil. The Lord is filling us, filling us with extra oil. And I'm going to teach here shortly. We're going to have um, Purim come, and it's a time of remembering the life of Esther and the deliverance God brought Israel. But the whole point that I'm making about that sermon, I'm going to deal with the end times, obviously, but about the fact that Esther was soaking in the oil before she met with the king. So it's a time of, of preparing yourself to be in the king's presence. So that's what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. He's being poured out all over the world. He's gathering in a great harvest of souls. And he is preparing a bride for his coming. So for us, this is wonderful, amazing days ahead. So let me give you some things about end time prophecy. You'll hear me say certain things a lot, probably every sermon. And I'm doing this for a reason. But it is important, I can't tell you how important it is, that you know the Bible for yourself. Do not just blindly listen to people. I don't care if they're on TV. I don't care if they're speaking at a church or a conference you're at or whatever. Don't just blindly listen to every little thing that's being said. As the Bible says in the last days, there would be a lot of deception. Make sure that it lines up with the Word of God. So that means we've got to know the Bible for ourselves we got to have a strong prayer life, okay? The days of writing other people's prayer lives is over. It's been over, okay? We're going to have to have a strong prayer life for ourselves. So if you haven't been a person of prayer, I strongly encourage you to get up in the morning, spend time with the Lord in prayer, and find time to pray. Just be alone with him. Talk to him. Let him talk to you. And there, there's, th there's teachings I do on prayer. So if you say, I really don't know how to pray, you can go to our website and I do a series on how to have an effective, powerful prayer life. And then thirdly, you're going to have to know the Holy Spirit for yourself. The Holy Spirit is a person. Did you know that God the Father is in heaven seated on his throne? And the Bible says that Jesus came. He died on, on the cross. He, def he went down into the underworld. He spoke the gospel down there. He took the keys took from the devil. He raised from the dead on the third day. He raised from the dead and he appeared to people about 500 people if I remember correctly over a period of about 40 days and then 
he ascended in front of everybody, the man floated up in the sky and disappeared in a cloud. And the Bible says that he lives seated at the right hand of the Father right now praying for you and I. He's got his ministry of the great high priest. But he told the early church, he said, I'm going away, but it's better that I go because I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus went up and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's coming again. We know that. But what he has sent is he has sent the Holy Spirit now to live in us and be with us. So the Holy Spirit is actually the person of the Godhead that lives in you and he is with you and he will teach you the Bible and he will help you pray. He'll help you live a holy life. He'll help you overcome sin and he'll help you walk in victory. But the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to help guide us through these end times. We need to know the Bible, but we also need to know the Holy Spirit. He's the one who will help us so much. When you know his presence, you know when something's off because you can tell this isn't the presence of the Holy Spirit. Something's not right. But we need to know him. We need to know his voice and his leading. All right, so prophecy gives you guidelines on how to live and pray. Let me go through this series, uh, this sermon in this series on the purpose of prophecy. So number one, Prophecy gives you guidelines on how to live and how to pray. Like, for example, I mentioned to you earlier that in these last days, we know the Bible says that God is going to pour out his spirit. He's going to be bringing in a harvest, and he's going to be preparing a bride. So we know that. So if we're going to cooperate with heaven, what, what is God doing in our generation? Those are three things that are very pronounced in Scripture that God is going to be doing. So if you want to be about the Father's business, you want to be about the kingdom, you're going to have to be a person that has a heart for revival, a heart for the harvest, and a heart to see the bride made ready. Those are, those are three things. But let me give you another example. You, it helps you to know how to pray. I've got a list that I actually got from Sandra Toplinski and her ministry but on how to pray for Israel in these last days. It's very good. But see, when you know the word of God, you know how to pray. And let me give you an example of something. Matthew 24, 20, Jesus was prophesying that there would come a time when the Antichrist would be seated in Jerusalem and he would erect this image and he would declare himself to be God Almighty, which you and I, all of us know how the Jews are going to respond to that. And he's going to demand that they worship this image. They're going to revolt. Now, this is going to happen. You can pray and fast till your skin and bones. It's still going to happen. You understand? And so Jesus said, pray that your flight will not take place in winter on the Sabbath. So what the Lord was trying to say here is, this is going to happen. It's in the scriptures. It doesn't matter how much you pray against it. It's still going to happen whether you like it or not. But let me encourage you how to pray. Pray that it won't happen in the winter or on the Sabbath. See how prophecy, when you know the word, you're not wasting your time praying against something that's going to happen anyway. Or praying for something God is never going to do. You can pray and fast, Lord, I ask you to not let there be an antichrist. Just, just forget that. I'm telling you, you can pray... <laughs> 
You can fast. I mean, you can get, you can get a group of thousands of people praying and fasting. It's not going to make a bit of difference. It's still going to happen because it's in the Bible, and God said it will happen. So what prophecy does, it helps you to know how to pray. And why, why did Jesus say about the winter? That's common sense. It'd be very difficult for people to be in flight, running for their life, out of their home, in the elements, and it's winter. But you've got to understand in Israel, when the Sabbath comes, they call it the Shabbat, on Friday night to Saturday night, everything shuts down. So, I mean, it's like there's nothing going on. So that would be a difficult day for them to be in flight. So the Lord said, why don't you pray that your flight not be in winter on the Sabbath? So the first thing prophecy does, it helps give us guidelines about how to pray and how to live our lives, okay? The next thing prophecy does, it helps us in the area of holy living because nothing will purify our lives more effectively than the hope of seeing Jesus appear and also the understanding that he could come at any time because we want to be ready amen and so that really purifies our lives when we preach the soon coming of the lord and this is biblical it is true he could come at any time we don't know the day nor the hour so with that said we need to live every day as though he's coming and so when you preach this way and you get people thinking about that they realize hey man i don't need to be playing games i better get serious about the lord because he could come at any time and i don't want to miss like the catching away of the bride or i don't want to be all in deception and weirdness i want to make sure that my life is where it needs to be and let me give you an example example of this in luke 12 45 but suppose the servant says to himself my master is taking a long time in coming and then he begins to beat the other servants both men and women and to eat and drink and get drunk the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect and find him at an hour he's not aware of and listen to this, he will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. So let me read that again. This, is a, this, I think, paints a different picture of Jesus than what the world views him as, okay? Yes, he is a loving Savior, but he's also a severe judge. And you want to be on the side of the loving Savior, not on the side of the severe judge. When I see Jesus, I want, I want to see him because I've lived my life appropriately that when I see him, he's my loving Savior that says, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to have to see him like this, the severe judge that says, you've been beating and abusing my people. So the way that we live our lives reflects how we relate to Jesus and how he's going to relate to us. So let me read this again. Luke 12, 45, but suppose the servant says to himself my master has taken a long time in coming and then he begins to beat the other servants both men and women and eat and drink and get drunk it's interesting about all the drinking in these last days that's been coming into the body of christ the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he's not aware of and listen to this i don't know what this means but i don't want to experience it he will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers I'm not sure exactly what cutting into pieces, I mean, I can imagine, but my goodness. So you can see how Jesus is saying, look, you don't know the day nor the hour. You need to live in a way that you're ready for his coming because it says in the scriptures that he can come at a time we're not expecting. And Revelation 19, 7, which I'll get back to this, 
But it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. I'm gonna come back to that at the end, but I want you to listen to that scripture. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So there is a making yourself ready for the Lord's coming. So this really, the preaching the end time prophecies about the coming of the Lord really has a purifying effect on people because people realize I can't just play games and just live any way because the Lord could come at any time. I want to be ready when he comes and it really has a purifying effect on people's lives. All right, so let me give you seven points about prophecy and then I want to close out about the bride. All right, number one, some prophecies will remain a secret. One common mistake in studying end time prophecy is focusing too much on the secret things, which can lead into error because you start speculating. And not just simply practically living out the revealed things. Is this making sense? Let me say it one more time. One common mistake that people make when they study end time prophecy is they focus too much on the secret things. And it can lead to error because they start guessing. They start speculating, well, I guess this means this and this means this. Instead of just practically living out the revealed things. So there's certain things that right now are revealed to us. And there's other things that will remain disclosed in, in different ways. For example, even in John, there's a place where there was these seven thunders in Revelation. But then it says, seal it up, and it's not revealed to us. So if you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what the seven thunders are, you're just simply spinning your wheels. I mean, God may show you something, but there's an element there that you're going to be guessing. So why not focus on the revealed? You see what I'm saying? There's a reason certain things. And so focus on that. Another thing is, what the Bible says we won't know the exact day nor the hour. I think that we'll have a general idea. Those that really walk close with the Lord will sense that it's near. But we're never going to know that it's going to be at 12.03 on May 13th. I mean, and how many people, though, have tried to figure that out and have speculated, and then they were obviously wrong? And so there's certain things that are hidden in Scripture for a reason. And let's not try to focus on figuring those things out. The second thing is prophecy is given for a reason. And what I mean by that is prophecy causes us to understand that the coming of the Lord is near. And just like I mentioned earlier, it gives us the sense of, man, there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a great end time harvest. There's going to be a bride being made ready. So I understand through prophecy that these things are going to be going on. So I want to live my life in a way to be about what God is doing. So it gives us purpose and reason and understanding what's going on in our generation. Number three, prophecy is given for a specific time and season. Now, let me explain that one because that is important. There are generations before us that simply could not understand the things we understand now because as time rolled on, more has happened and it makes more sense to us. And I'll give you an example. What about Israel? See, for years, Israel was dispersed. And people, people really believed that the church had replaced Israel. That was a widespread teaching. 
So they were trying to figure out end time prophecy without Israel in the picture and they never could really get it. Then 1948 rolls around, Israel becomes a nation. It's like, oh, wait a second. God's not done with Israel. And so now that they put Israel back in its proper place in end time prophecy, then they can begin to understand more. So until that happened, the church was struggling to really understand what we understand now. So what I mean by that is there's going to be things as the Lord's coming gets closer that we're going to understand better. For example, the blood moons. You and I both know that, I mean, at least for me, most of my life when I read that about the blood being turned to, I'm sorry, the moon turned to blood and the sun to sackcloth, I thought for sure that had to do with maybe an asteroid hitting and this, you know, debris going up in the sky. Or maybe it was like a nuclear exchange or maybe it was a volcanic or volcano eruption and and all that so and then all of a sudden it starts coming out that it actually has to do with the blood moons that are taking place on the feast days and the solar eclipses on feast days and it makes so much more sense but see previous generations didn't understand that so as prophecy rolls along we're going to be seeing and understanding more it's going to make more sense as we go okay so it's given for a specific time and a specific season. And another example of that could be this. How could people, say, 300 years ago, understand the mark of the beast in their generation adequately? Because the mark is going to be something that will be maybe, um, you know, some kind of an implant or some kind of a, a tattoo or something, but it's going to have to do with buying and selling. So now in our generation... We understand that you can pull a debit card out of your wallet. You have a bank account it's linked to and swipe a card. So to us, it's making sense buying and selling with a mark on your hand. We can kind of understand where this is going. Somebody lived three to 500 years ago wouldn't have a clue. You understand what I'm saying? It didn't make sense to them. They, they didn't have a paradigm that they could even begin to really wrap their mind around that. So it's going to start making more and more sense as the time goes. So we need to be wise and keep our eyes on what's going on so that we can tell, okay, that's what this means in Bible prophecy. That's what this means, okay? Number four, prophecy is given for guidance and wisdom. Just like last week's sermon, we can know the pitfalls and the warnings of the last days, and the Bible gives us the tools we need to overcome. So last week I dealt a lot with that there would be widespread deception. And I talked about how God gave us um, the scriptures in the Bible like test the spirits, judge prophecy, make sure it lines up with the word, be like the Bereans. And I gave all these scriptures to help people that we know the Bible has given us guidance and wisdom and warning saying there will be widespread deception. There will be people that are false prophets and false teachers. There's going to be these things going on, so you need to make sure that your life, that you're obeying the Bible and doing what the Bible says, judge a tree by its fruit, and really be wise. And what will happen is, is the Word of God will give us wisdom that will keep us in these times. I'm convinced that all we need is in the Word. I'm convinced of it. All the warnings, it's just that a lot of people want to read certain things they're comfortable with and ignore others, and that's where the problem lies, right there. If they'll read the whole word and apply the whole Bible, I really believe that we have what we need to walk in victory and to not be deceived. I believe God's given it to us. 
All right, then number five, the true spirit of prophecy focuses on Jesus, not on angels or darkness, whether angels that are good or bad, okay, or darkness, it focuses on Jesus. Now, that's important because there's too much focusing on the wrong things that's going on. So let me read you John 16, 12. I have many, many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But when he, the spirit who, the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth and he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Man, you know how many times the Holy Spirit has given maybe, you know, my wife or daughter a dream and we knew, okay, we need to pray about that and the Holy Spirit helped us there. You know how many times that maybe God spoke to me in my personal prayer time, the Holy Spirit spoke to me something and it, it really protected me and helped me get through something. The Holy Spirit, he will disclose to you what is to come. And if we're listening to him, if we're following him, he will help us so much. In verse 14 says, he will uh, glorify me, Jesus said, for he will take of what is mine and disclose it to you. All things of the Father are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and discloses it to you. So some people are focused way too much on the wrong things. Even, believe it or not, is amazing as amazing as the Azusa Street Revival was, probably one of my favorite revivals to study ever. William Seymour is one of my spiritual heroes. I mean, it's a wonderful, but listen, there was a guy named Frank Bartleman that warned him. He said, you're too focused on the Holy Spirit and not enough on Jesus. And he really felt that that actually had brought down Azusa over time was one of the things because they focused too much on the Holy Spirit and not enough on Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to glorify Jesus. So I'm just making a point here that you can focus on the wrong things too much. I mean, yes, we need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit and, and love him and appreciate him and listen to him and all of that, but he comes to glorify Christ and to get our eyes on Jesus, okay? So in the same way, people can be way too focused on angels. Now I'm just telling you, good or bad, we don't need to be focused on angels because they're simply there to help us along our journey, not to get our focus on them. And this is a real problem in some circles. There's times that I knew, and there's many times I've known for absolute positive sure, I, I have seen an angel, I have, I have, they were present to help in the ministry, but I did not go there and get everybody's focus and attention on some angel that I saw. No, my job is to get everybody's focus on Jesus. Okay, he's their source. The Lord might have let me see that angel just encourage me that, hey, you're not alone, buddy. It's going to be all right. I sent you some backup tonight. But I want you to think about something. This just makes sense. People make too much out of this. We all believe, I do, the Bible says he encamps his angels around those that fear the Lord. So I believe everybody within the sound of my voice here fears the Lord. So there's angels around you. The Bible says there is. So that means they're all over this place. So what's the big deal? They always are. Every time we come together, they're all over the place. Then what's the big deal? Why get everybody's focus on it? Why get everybody talking and thinking about the angel? They're here to glorify Christ and to help his kingdom go forward. And what's happening is, is people are starting, they don't mean to, but they may be even getting some weirdness because you're not supposed to be worshiping and praying to and talking to these angels like that. It's not a good idea. If God sends one to you to tell you something, 
great. It better line up with God's word or it's not an angel of God. And, I, and if, it, if that tries to come, I bind it in Jesus' name out. But if it is a true angel of God and it's give you a word, fine. Thank you for the word. I received the word. Now let's move on. It's not something to make a big to-do about, okay? And another thing is focus too much on darkness. There's people out there. My wife and I have a deliverance ministry. I've seen a lot of people delivered. But I don't focus completely and totally on the darkness, okay? I may, you know, speak about things sometimes and pray with people. And I, I did a series called Seductions of Satan where I exposed all this stuff. And I believe in spiritual warfare, deliverance, inner healing tremendously. But people don't mean to, but they get so focused on the darkness that they, it's like floating off into oblivion. They just, you got to keep your focus on Jesus. What happens when you focus on darkness is all of a sudden Jesus in your mind gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and the devil gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So let's keep our focus in these last days on Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something else before I get off that point is the real Jesus. Because there's going to be counterfeit Jesuses. Now let me explain. I don't mean some weirdo living out in Waco or something like that. I'm not talking about that. Those people will always be there. I'm talking about um, a false Christ being preached and presented. And what I mean by it is this. Like, for example, the Mormon Christ is not the Christ that we know. The Christ of Islam that they preach and they believe or whatever, and they do believe in Christ, but he is not the Christ of the Bible because they believe that he was not God in the flesh. But he is God in the flesh. So they're wrong, and they're preaching a false Christ. And so there's going to be, when you look, this may blow some people's mind, when you if you could see the real Jesus Christ right now, he's a Jewish man, okay? He's not Mexican, okay? He's not white, and he's not black. He's Jewish. But you get around different ethnic groups, and they want to make him like themselves. And, and different groups want to make him into their image. You understand what I'm saying? You get these guys, and I'm not trying to be funny, but you get these guys that are really into rap and everything, and they've got Jesus looking like a gangster, and they really and that is not the real Jesus. I'm just telling you, he doesn't look like a gangster. The reason why I'm saying that is this. I know it's funny, but people are prone to be greatly deceived if they don't even know who the real Jesus really truly is. The Catholics, I love the Catholics, but they have a totally different Christ. I'm just telling you. So we need to know the real Jesus Christ, the, the Jewish Son of God, that was born through a virgin, that lived a holy life in Israel, died on the cross, raised from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of God. That Jesus is the Jesus we need to know. And if you don't know that Jesus and you're, you're, you've got some other concept, there's great deception linked to it. I'm concerned for people. All right. Number six, prophecy means what it says. Now, I understand that there are some things that are metaphoric, symbolic, no doubt about it. But you can't spiritualize everything. For example, Israel actually means Israel, not the church. So if you start trying to apply scriptures concerning the nation of Israel, and you try to put the church in there instead, you're not going to have an accurate view of end-time prophecy. 
So prophecy means what it says. You can't try to spiritualize everything or make everything metaphoric. Um, it does mean what it says. But there is a lot of symbolism, a lot of patterns, things that go back to, there's a, there's a principle in the Bible, the law of first reference. And so the first time something was referenced in the Bible seems to have great significance and great, great authority in Scripture. So when you go back to the first five books of the Bible, known as the Torah, that God gave through Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you go back and study that, you see that the pattern was laid there, the law of first reference, it was laid there about what numbers mean, what colors mean, what metals mean. And when you understand that pattern, then you can start understanding Daniel and Revelation more. For example, under Moses, they built these altars and on these bronze and golden altars, they had these horns. Now, what in the world? You know, I mean, God, there was a message in this, okay? Because you're thinking, why, would, why does it have to have horns? You know, what is, but there's a message that the horns represent power. Okay, so you learn from the law of first reference, oh, that represents power. So then now you go to the book of Daniel and you see a beast having horns and you go, oh, the horns speak of power. And then you go to the book of Revelation and you see something with horns. So you understand. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the pattern that God laid out. For example, the number six in the Bible speaks of sinful man. It's not an accident that the number of the mark of the beast will be 666 because it means sinful man. The number seven means perfection. That's why Jesus is seen in the Bible as the lamb with seven eyes. Jesus is not an actual physical lamb, and he doesn't have seven eyes. So this is symbolic, okay? And seven eyes means he has perfect vision, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to go back and show you this is very important. You can't, I've heard preachers do this, bless their heart, you can't just make something fit your sermon. It's like, oh, I want the color purple to mean this because it'll really make my point. And so then they're preaching and they bring this out and it's not biblical. You're going, no, that's not what. See, the color purple speaks of royalty in the Bible. That's what it means, royalty, kingship. And the color blue speaks of coming down from heaven, so it's heavenly. Metals in the Bible mean things. Gold speaks of divinity. Silver speaks of redemption. So when you understand these patterns, you'll understand end-time prophecy. But you've got to go back to the beginning to understand the end, okay? So we're going to cover a lot of, a lot of that. And then the last couple things is this. God is totally in control. That's number seven. If you don't get anything else out of this, circle that, highlight it, okay? God is in control. It doesn't matter. Listen, I'm not just saying this trying to get everybody all fired up. It's just the truth. It doesn't matter if Iran, what they're going to try with nuclear stuff. It doesn't matter what these terrorists, it doesn't matter any of this. In the end of the day, God is in control. And what he said in the word is going to happen, that will happen, and it will happen the way he said it would happen. Nobody's going to be able to stop it. The devil's not going to be able to stop it. God is in control. So believe that, okay? Because the devil will try to stop God. But we all know that God doesn't even get off his throne. In fact, I don't see in the scripture where God even moves his finger. I think, if I read it correctly, God sent Michael the archangel and he took down the devil. 
okay? So God's in control. He doesn't even have to get off his throne to mess with people, okay? He just sends his angels, and they'll do his bidding. All right. And then here's the last thing to talk about tonight, the bride making herself ready. Let me just read this. There is an element of us being responsible for seeking the Lord and surrendering ourselves to the purification and the preparation the Holy Spirit is doing in these last days. There is a responsibility we have to say, Lord, purify my life, change me, fill me, do a work in me. I want to be a bride made ready for Christ's coming. First Peter 1, 2, I love this scripture about the Holy Spirit. It says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father that you and I through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to, the, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with his blood grace and peace be yours in abundance but listen to that the sanctifying work so one of the reasons the Holy Spirit comes in our lives is to sanctify us he has come to take us from glory to glory make us more like Jesus I'm telling you he helps us so much because there's things that we cannot do in our flesh we want to we'll look at it we'll look at something and see man my life in this area I have got to change this I, I, I've been Lord help me you know what if you ask Lord let your Holy Spirit fill me and change me on the inside it may not be overnight but I promise you the Holy Spirit will do a sanctifying work in you and he will change you he will Sometimes it'll be quick. Sometimes it may take some time because God's got to really change you, but the Holy Spirit will change you. He will sanctify you. So this is what I want to close with. It's our responsibility, though, to have a personal prayer life and intimacy with God and to know the scriptures for ourselves. It is. It's our responsibility. We can't just sit around watching TV 24-7 and think that we're going to be growing spiritually that's not grace that's just stupidity okay we've we have a responsibility to go into prayer and and to to read the word and to spend time with the holy spirit and also get in revival man get where god is moving there's people listening to this in other parts of the world get somewhere where god is moving and let god touch you i'm telling you there's an anointing in these last days and finally, a local church in the fivefold ministry. Your local church in the fivefold ministry is there to help empower you and equip you. So get plugged. What I'm trying to say in this is get plugged into the Lord. Get plugged into your church. Get plugged in in your personal prayer life. And let the Holy Spirit do a work in you. Does this make sense? But it is our responsibility. The bride makes herself ready. And what that means is, is that we have a responsibility to seek the Lord and get into his presence and let him do the work in us okay I understand that we can't change ourselves you don't have to be saved very long to figure that one out I understand that there's only so much we can do God has to do it it's his grace and mercy it's his love for us it's his spirit changing us I understand that but it's still my responsibility though to get into prayer and let him do it and to get myself to church and let him do it with what's coming in river of life over the next couple months and over this next year there's such an intensity and in the anointing that's coming some of you will be shocked God's been building us up to it you know but it's still going to be a little bit overwhelming but it makes me sad though for the people that could should would be here but they've got their you know the thing is it's so important 
to stay plugged into the Lord, okay? I think about the 500 people Jesus appeared to, I believe it's four or 500, I think it was 500. All those people he appeared to, but yet on the day of Pentecost when it happened, there's only 120 present. <laughs> I mean, that's like the, the epic fail, you know, for real. That's like Jesus himself appeared to me and told me, go wait in Jerusalem. And, and I wasn't there when it actually happened. I mean, something that's so significant, it's, it's written in the scriptures and I missed it, you know. So what I'm saying is, is there's something phenomenal coming. Don't miss the Lord in these last days, what God's going to do. Also, about the signs in the earth, this is what is known as the Shemitah year. If you don't know about these things, I encourage you to read. Jonathan Kahn has a book called the Shemitah year. But this is a significant year probably we don't know for sure but last the last several Shemitah years have been very significant with the stock market going down and some very difficult times so just be aware of that and the blood moons being four on feast days this has happened a couple other times and it had to do with um, Israel becoming a nation and that was them taking land and then it had to do with them taking 1967, taking Jerusalem, so they took more land. So we can kind of figure maybe if all goes according to what we think, maybe they're going to take some more land. Okay, so there's definitely some significant things going on. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for people who want prayer tonight. So if we can shut down recordings. I believe the Holy Spirit is really about to really touch people tonight. One of the things I've been feeling the Lord doing is just a real deep consecration in us. Last night in the youth service, the power of God felt really strong. And then we had, we went through and prayed for people. And I felt led to anoint people with oil and just really pray for a deep consecration. And I don't know what all people experienced, but man, the glory of God was so strong, just like this thick weight on people. And I, I heard people tell me about it, but it was strong. And I really believe that the story of Esther was that Esther soaked in that oil to meet with the king. I believe God is really wanting to touch people and do a deep soaking in people. And I also feel that the Lord is right now starting to increase his healing anointing. So just remember that. Let's pray into that. But I believe the Lord is beginning to increase his healing presence in our ministry. I feel it. So if we can start some worship. I want to pray for people tonight that want prayer. If you fall out tonight, just soak in the Lord. Don't be quick to get up. Let the Lord fill you and just saturate you. The, the wise virgins of Matthew 25 filled with extra oil, soaking in the oil, the Holy Spirit, being made ready for his coming. And if the Lord doesn't put you out on the floor or whatever, just find a place to soak in his presence tonight. Let him fill you up. So, Lord, we're going to go through here in a moment. Pray for people I'm asking you. I feel like there's, there's healing available to some people tonight, okay? So just believe that tonight. Lay hold of it. There's something in the way of healing. But secondly, Lord, I pray there be a deep consecration tonight as we anoint people. Set them apart as holy unto you. And, Lord, that you would let them soak in your glory tonight and be filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit, saturated in that oil, made ready for Jesus' is coming, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for it. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name.
presence of the Lord is so strong. I'm going to get my wife to help me pray. And Brother Zach, are you freed up where you could help me catch and all that? I'm going to start praying for people if you want prayer.